one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Josh Brown, it's Friday. It's the UBP, the UBP. It's a whole other world for you over there on the other side of the room, but at least I can see you and love you. How are you doing? I can see and love you too. I am, <laughs> um, I'm just like vibing, man. I'm just happy to be here. Happy to fill in for old Julian Gill. Old Julian the Gill Gill. famous show. Man, no, he did tell me last week that he was on holiday this week. I then promptly forgot. And we've had a whirlwind week of doing all sorts of different things in What Culture Towers. So it got to last night and I said, hey, brother Jules, what are we doing about the UBP tomorrow? And he said, I'm on holiday, man. I'm not even <laughs> remotely involved. Involved. And I was like, call, hit the Josh Brown button, get the man in and make everything work again. So I, I saw it out the window. The my bat ha- signal. I saw the bat signal. It just <laughs> in the shape of your head and beard and spikes was just bellowing into my window. And Looking I thought, like uh, I that, check. the naked chef or whatever it is icon. I can't even think what that is now, but there's some sort of some sort of logo. I'm putting that out there in the ether. Okay. There's a logo that's a set of hair and a beard. I'm sure it's the naked chef. Naked chef? Naked food? I'm naked deli? Naked, maybe it's the naked deli. Okay. It's not going to make any sense sense to anyone outside of the immediate vicinity we're in, but I've seen that logo. It doesn't make sense to me, and I'm in the immediate vicinity <laughs> we're in. So the day by where we live is a logo that looks like my head. Point being <laughs> that this is the entire part of the podcast, and we ask you guys whatever you'd like us to talk about, whether it's games, movies, food stuff, whatever's on your mind. So we'll get through as many questions as possible. I think I said our name, Scott Taylor, John by Josh Brown. I don't know, but let's carry on. First question from Mr. Cheeseman is, do you think early 2000s gaming culture is dead? E.g. midnight releases, land party and games that actually worked and didn't need a day one patch to fix a game. Now, this is interesting because when was the last time you did a midnight release? My well, in person. In person, yes. it would have been Fallout 4 in 2015. Ooh. That was the last big one that I, you know, felt it was worthy to go to. Mm. That's a really interesting question because, you know, I feel like, you know, gamers of a certain age, you know, will always associate this industry with, like, that early 2000s, yes. mid-2000s kind of culture. I keep trying to write about something else, and then all my, my mind just goes, no, but what about PsyOps? What about the, <laughs> what about this thing from 2003 that no one played? Yeah, because it was such a defining era, wasn't yeah. it? It was, like, when video games, kind of as we know them today, sort of exploded, and the kind of, you know, marketing culture around them kind of came into focus with the internet. Like, mm. the internet was such a big part of this, uh, but stuff like LAN parties, you know, they were obviously older than that. I think for me, my answer would be that that kind of culture will never go away, although it has certainly waned in popularity. Mm. I just feel like there's always going to be a subset of hardcore fans who keep that stuff alive. Maybe not in terms of, you know, the aesthetics mm-hmm. and what have you, but certainly in the mentality of, you know, quote unquote old school gamers, I think that will be championed, you know. Like kind of like vinyl is, you know, we get to the point where we have CDs. <laughs> 
we have tapes, we have Spotify, yes. and everyone goes, oh, I remember vinyl. I think do people you know might what? do that with LAN parties. What they need to do in regards to, because one of the things about going down to a midnight launch in person was that you might get a bit of tat, you might get a bit, of, might get a poster or a t-shirt, or you get to see other people and talk in the queue about like, oh my God, we're finally going to get to play it. And that's what made something like Halo 3 a big deal, or San Andreas was a big deal. And I love that stuff. The thing that you don't get now, and although I will say that if you hop on Twitter and just stick the game's name in and then filter by latest, you can get a little bit of that energy with people finding something at the midnight launch. However, there is a massive untapped potential for collector's editions, tat bundles to be delivered somehow at midnight. So you can yeah. open that thing at, the, the, you know, at midnight time. I would take that. I would take a midnight delivery of like a collector's edition, a big statue or something, because I love unboxing that stuff, but it's always either in the morning after or the post is delayed yeah. or whatever it is. Whereas with this, like you had to go in in person because digital broadband connections weren't solid enough. But I feel like the, the in-person, the tactile feel of something, that's what he's referring to or they're referring to. I think it is the ease of access in terms of, you know, like like digital distribution, like you mentioned mm. there. You know, that's so easy now. Yeah. Uh, that the and boring. Idea of, yeah, and boring. But the idea of going out to a store at midnight just doesn't feel as kind of thrilling as it was when you could no. stay at home and get like the kind of the same product. I'm with you. I would like more kind of collector's editions or at least midnight editions mm. or whatever, day one editions that kind of have that extra tatting that make it a little bit more exciting. Because I want to get excited about games in the way that I did for... Yeah. Or Fallout 4 or GTA 5, which I also did a midnight for. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what title would actually get me interested in actually leaving my house at well, there is that. to pick up again, like maybe Fallout 5, maybe the Elder Scrolls. <laughs> Elder Scrolls. I would definitely do it for the Elder Scrolls. If there was a midnight Starfield launch and they played the marketing cards right, so you didn't really know, like you know enough about what it is, the review scores are quite positive, whatever, but you need to get it to really get a feel for it, that would be great midnight energy, let's say. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like, yeah, it, it depends how they do it. I feel like the, the ease of access stuff has just kind of taken away the, the just the feel of a midnight launch. I couldn't tell you any digital midnight launch. I don't have those memories, but I, I remember going to Smith's Toy Shop and getting a copy of WWE 2K22 because it was sold out everywhere. Yeah. And I still remember getting that. There is like the, like you build memories in, in physicality. I feel like they're much harder to do in a digital space. 100%. I, I fully agree with that. Like when I think about, you know, buying video games, mm. it is all, it always goes to those moments um, where you kind of have a bit of a scare that you might not be able to get <laughs> it. I remember trying to track down the first Red Dead Redemption right. on launch in my oh, dad. I love that rush. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, it doesn't make man. sense because well, you shouldn't, but like... Well, I was, I was yeah. as, a, as a child thinking he wasn't going to get it, or a younger man, like my dad's running from <laughs> store to store to see if they have it in, like town to town. Like, it, but it, it's it's precarious, but it's yeah. exciting. I think what kind of killed Midnight Launches for me was um, updates, like updates yeah. and installations. I remember getting back from Fallout 4, uh, DTA 5, I launch. got home and didn't play it until half three in the morning and then just fell asleep. 100%, like those games took so long to install. Mm. I remember going with my mate to get, uh, my mate Chris to get Battlefront, Star Wars Battlefront. Nice. And we were quite excited all day. You know, we left the flat, we went to get it, we came back and all we could play was that Darth Vader opening <laughs> while the game was installing. And by that time, you know, it's like 2, 3 a.m. in the morning and you might as well just go to the next day. Yeah, you know? and it's like the hype's dissipated, the energy yeah. of the moment has dissipated and you're just sort of going, oh, we're just, we're just staying up now and there's not anything yeah. to actually do. It's like two in the morning. Um, what, you know, that whole thing of like um, the rush to try and track down the last remaining copy of something. Again, you shouldn't really love it because it's it's scarcity and like the digital era has completely solved that problem. However, I will always remember uh, me and my friends, we played the Final Fantasies when we were younger and we played like Final Fantasy 7, 8, 9, whatever. And we were like, we should play Final Fantasy 6 like, in the moment on a Saturday afternoon. And it was like way before digital anything. So we started ringing around all the game shops and we found one copy of Final Fantasy 6 on PS1 
um, way over, like, you know, like about an hour away somewhere. And then ringing my mum, being like, can we please, can you drive us to this place? I love this. So we can get a copy of Final Fantasy VI um, because we need to get it. And like, bless my mum, absolutely love my mum. She was like, yeah, we can, we can, I'll, sure, I'll, I'll do that. I love you enough, fine. And so like me and one of my other like best friends just all like bouncing around in the back of the car going, we're going to go get Final Fantasy VI. Yes. And you'll never get that again yeah. in, in a digital space. And um, yeah, so it's just like, I, yeah, I do miss those things. And I, like I said, I'm just saying, Dragon's Den style, if someone wants to create some sort of collector's edition delivery for midnight for game releases, that's a big, I would love that. Please do it. I want yeah. to feel something again. <laughs> I would love to feel in 2022 once again. Also, um, patched up installations, massive thing to just get directly in the way of everything because hardly ever do you play a decent game straight away. It needs it needs a week of patches. It needs <laughs> a, true. a month. It needs Halo Infinite still floundering, even though it's just started its second season. Um, I saw Joseph Staten just saying, like, oh, it's been a rough launch. I was like, it, yeah, it's been a rough two years, mate. It certainly has. At this, I guess one year or whatever it is uh, at this stage. Question from Steve. Question for Josh. What recommendation have you had for Scott to play, eat or listen to <laughs> that he says he will do but never does? Thank you, Steve. As you may know, this is normally like the inverse. Scott recommends me so much and then I try to get around to them. You finally had sugar and coffee. It I wasn't finally, for you, but you did it. Well, this is it. I, I do get around to them eventually. Yes. You know, sugar and coffee, finally tried it. We'll get to Ori one day probably. Uh, but with you, <laughs> I think there's only a few things that kind of come to mind. One, The Sopranos, the TV show. I watched the first episode. That you did I watch thought it was really first. bad. You watched the first episode. <laughs> And I just, I wanted you to watch more, you know? I know. There's, there's so much more to it than the pilot. I tried to get you to watch that show for like two years. Going on two years <laughs> at this point, that was a pandemic rewatch for me. And I was like, yes. Scott, please watch this uh, I hear nothing show. but praise about The Sopranos. Totally. And I, I did the first episode and I was like, it's fine. I don't, it's not hooking me at all. But I thought that about Better Call Saul. And then that's that one of my favorite shows of all time. I just need to stick with it. That's it. I know it's it's a, it's a lot to say it to someone, you know, you've got to stick with it. But I think with The Sopranos, you only need a few episodes. You mm. only need, you know, less than the first season to get in and then you hopefully um will be in mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. game wise you do normally jump into the games just not for as long as i would maybe I, like you to i will admit one of the nicest things anyone's ever done was you bought me a copy of prey uh, <laughs> when that well, yeah that came out 2016 or something 17 i think 2017 and um you got me a copy of prey i think it was for christmas or something and um and it was also for being able to work together for the first time after talking to each other on emails and stuff for years and uh, that was so lovely and i was like oh my god i didn't vibe with this game's demo that much but i love josh Brown, I will play this game. So I played a few hours of it and I didn't finish it. And I know that Prey is one of those games that's being reappraised and being reapproached over the years. And I do want to go back to it. I do want to um, go back and love it because I didn't vibe with Deathloop at all. Yeah. But I do think that Prey's intro is like one of the best intros of the last 10 years. And so I've done about three to five hours-ish in that game. Um, and I just, it didn't it didn't keep me. It didn't pass this, the subconscious test where I wasn't thinking about it. A week passed. I didn't realize that a week passed and it dropped off. But I want to do it. Which is totally I want to get fair. There. In it, I, the only reason I push for Prey is because, you know, I'm kind of similar. Arcane stuff I've kind of enjoyed, but mm. bounced off in the past. You know, Dishonored, I kind of bounced off. Deathloop, I really enjoyed, mm -hmm. but that kind of um, game hasn't really stayed with me in the way that I thought it would at the time, but yes. Prey was the one where I was just <laughs> thinking, like, this game is something special, and it's kind of that thing where you just want someone else to kind of get into your brain and understand and, and think the like same feel way the energies you. of Prey. But that's the beauty of people, and that's the beauty of games that they're so different in that everyone has different experiences. I, I will keep, say, yes. you know, go on, you first. Oh, I was just going to super quickly say that I keep seeing Prey is one of the many games that's been completely overhauled in terms of performance on Series X, right. which is a huge reason to go check it out. I don't know if it's 120 frames a second, but it's definitely 4K, it's definitely 60. Um, that game looks gorgeous. 
if they have patched the um, loading times in that game, that would so. be a huge improvement because mm. you do a lot of traveling between areas towards the end, and the loading times were a killer. However, just to finish off this question, yes. the one game this year that I've been asking you to play that you are yet to get around to is that Before Your Eyes, which oh, I've yeah. talked about a lot towards the start of the year. The, the, was that this year you talked about was, that? That was this year. Oh, my God. It was like January, man. Uh, but that's the, if you don't know, that's the PC game. Um, where you use your blinks, or you don't have to if you're mm. unable to do that, uh, but you, it's mainly through blinks where you control time in a if person's unable to blink. life. Well, I don't know. It is an accessibility oh, thing, okay, you yeah, know, okay. of course, yeah. Uh-huh. Obviously, you know, if you can't I see... I thought you meant in the game you... it was like a mechanic to ration out your blinks to see oh, different no. parts of oh, the story. <laughs> no, I get you. I just totally mean an accessibility option. No, because I remember when you uh, talked yeah. about it, and yeah, very emotional game, very like uh, first person, and like, yeah, you're experiencing someone's life and everything, but isn't it only on PC? It is. That's what makes me run a mile. I can play on my Steam Deck if Valve ever ship the effing thing, but not yet. uh, I mean, I don't often play PC games. Mm. That's when you know it's a good recommendation, I think, because I only crack open that PC (laughs) um, once every five years. It's true. I uh, I got a new MacBook, and I um, downloaded, like, uh, the three Steam games that are actually, like, only on Steam that I care about, like FTL and um, like Chal- um, Massive Chalice and different strategy games. So go play FTL, mate. I'm Faster than light travel. Well, see, the thing is it. now, if I say, yes, I will play it, you'll get a question in like a year's <laughs> time where it's like, <laughs> Scott, what, what is, is he, has he done it yet? Yeah. We've, got, we've got multiple Ori questions. I'll see if we actually get that far through these. But um, yeah, there's an Ori question down here somewhere. Quick question from David. What's our game of the year so far? Elden Ring. Very nice. Also Elden Ring. Um, Sifu is up there. Um, Sifu is my number two. Um, I did get the platinum in Sifu the other day, thanks to the now lower difficulty um, to finally get finish the game under 25 years old, where you've got to not die like five times um, in the whole game. So I adore Sifu. I think that thing is pristine, but it's going to be Elden Ring. Yeah, I think it is. It's and just going to be Elden it's Ring. It's like, you know, it's sort of unfortunate for any game to go up against Elden Ring I do feel sorry year. for the rest of this year. 100%. Maybe that that's why the rest is... of this year is so barren, that it's like, what's the point? Yeah. Like, Everyone's full. We've made all these meals. I wonder, though, because Save Elden Ring came out so early mm. in the year, obviously the end of February, mm-hmm. I think. Wasn't it the end of February? For Elden Ring? Ring? Yes. Uh, I want to say not as uh, March or April. Okay. It yeah. came out early is the point. Yes. Um, in, I wonder if we get to the end of the year, you know, December time, mm. and I wonder if we've if critics just become sick of talking about Elden Ring, <laughs> so then they go, actually, game of the year is this other thing. Yes, they'll, they'll a million percent be some indie darling that comes out of nowhere that you get a whole bunch of critics planting a flag on because it's scared yeah, because it's got too boring and expected to be Elden Ring. However, like the thing, and the thing, I will say this right now, and people can call me on this in another seven months. Um, I do wish that Elden Ring had better storytelling. I do wish that it was it threaded itself together a bit better. If I was, if there was a flaw, we did this whole spoiler. Had a blur spoiler podcast thing on this because um, if I I'd, like if I was going to point at one thing and be like something else could do this better um, it would be the storytelling aspect it would be making me care about that world a bit more um, considering the amount of lore that is there that has now been unearthed by the likes of Vati Vidya sticking um, stitching together all the different pieces of lore items and stuff I wish that was front and center a bit more just a little bit just a little bit more a little bit more drive uh, etc um, 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 next was John from you done messed up Aaron who says good day gents my partner and I are getting married on Saturday congratulations congratulations that's lovely. 
We've been thinking about some of the uh, some of the games that we played and how they've brought us together or brought us closer together. Our favorite by far was It Takes Two. That's the perfect co-op game. Yeah. Even though I would say it overstays its welcome, but that okay. thing plays immaculately well. What gaming memories with your partners have stuck with you? Oh, that's a great question. First off, congratulations, and yes. I hope the wedding goes incredibly well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, as for this question, though, for me, it's uh, playing Resident Evil 6, <laughs> the co-op campaigns right. uh, of that game with um, my current girlfriend when we were first getting um, together mm-hmm. you know we just wanted a co-op game and we were just like well what should we try what's right. kind of like dome that we don't have to really pay much attention to and Resident Evil 6 <laughs> was the one and god bless her she like just played through this bad game right. So for so many hours <laughs> just because we were starting to get to know each other so I always think of um, that experience that's very nice fondly mine because um, uh, my wife doesn't like she likes strategy stuff she likes Stardew Valley she likes things that are sort of management simmy or with like various like numeric systems or like grinds to get stuck into. Like her favorite game is like Warcraft or whatever. So it's not going to be shooters. Like I've, we've tried doing parts of the Halo campaigns. We've tried anything with aiming. She's just like, I just, I'm not comfortable. I don't like it. Yeah. Um, so we've done more stuff like uh, we built a whole, I think I've mentioned this on some podcasts or maybe a chatty face before that we essentially built our like Inception Utopia dream world inside Minecraft and lived there together for a while with our little like deluxe house and everything else, which a creeper blew, blew it to pieces. And we were like, well, the dream's dead. We'll just play something else. Um, so it would be that, or it was me and her discovering PT together back yes. in 2014 because we were both watching the show live when, I forget, I think it was Jack Trenton who said, um, you know, there's a demo available, uh, just go see what it is. And discovering that with someone, neither of us knowing what it was, and um, realizing it was Hideo Kojima, um, obviously Norman Reedus and everything, and just like my my sort of gamer nerd brain freaking out, her horror aficionado brain freaking out, yeah. um, it would be that. And although PT is, you know, it's, it is playable teaser very short thing um that is absolutely one of my best gaming memories ever i would um completely just rip you off for this <laughs> answer as well because i had a very similar experience with uh, my partner as well you uh, know, we would we went through that game together we were so scared by it, it was, yes it was such a great moment even though obviously it's only single player one of you is playing the other is watching mm-hmm. it was just kind of one of those um cinematic moments i suppose where it doesn't matter whether you're playing or whether you're watching you're mm. both having an absolute killer experience the thing about because PT is like genuinely terrifying yeah. and like that like shared horror especially in a game space is the best like because like one of you has to push the stick forward to actually go into the room or whatever it is um, and in PT's case like when the door starts opening and there's something behind the door or there's something in the sink or whatever it is in the in the room that you're in um, both of you not wanting to do that I was always like, I'll just push ahead how bad can it be yeah. whatever um, but both of you are sort of like jumping and jolting and reacting to it like that whole shared thing is great um, if you guys uh, Aaron haven't played or anyone listening to this who wants to play something with a partner play it until dawn together make the decisions together, like do that whole story together. It's brilliant. Great theoretically, right? A great game to use uh, in a kind of party setting Mm. or if you've got another person kind of watching. But personally, Scott, I loved playing that with my girlfriend, but she was so averse to making any decisions. (laughs) She would just throw the controller at me every single time she had to because she didn't want to be responsible for anyone being killed. And it wasn't wasn't the kind of chill, nice vibe time. It was me getting hit in the head with a dual send, dual shock four. That happens a lot. I forget what game uh, my wife was playing through, and it's something where everything was fine apart from the boss battles, and she would just like be playing and playing and playing, and then she'd be like, "Oh, boss battle!" and just fling it to the side. And yeah. I would have to, "Oh God, okay, I guess I'm going to do this." Like I'm in the middle of like playing guitar or whatever I'm doing. Okay, I'll just let me just feel this and catch <laughs> this controller and get you through this boss fight, and then hand you back the controller. I can't think what that was now. Um, but yeah, I uh, yeah massively would recommend any horror stuff together. It takes two, I think, is the ultimate co-op game. Yeah, I um, think uh, they've got it in one that. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like the amount of mini games and competitive stuff that's in there. Um, next question from McAllister NYC. Now, he submitted two questions, and we're going to do both of them because I actually really loved his first question, even though they replaced it with something else. Um, but the one that they replaced it with was um, a Nick, because I did a Nick Cage gif on the um, on the uh, initial thing, asking for questions and stuff. And Sue, um, they said, first question, best, worst, and most iconic Nick Cage performances, in our opinion. We'll do this oh. first, and we'll get to the other one in a bit. Best, worst, and most best, iconic. Best, worst, and most right? iconic. They might not be. They might be the same thing. They might be the they same They might all thing. be the same thing. Best, worst. Okay, can you go first? So I have a five seconds to think um, about this. See, I'm, I, Nick Cage has got a, a hell of a fan in these days. Obviously, um, we had another question further down about the new movie that he's in, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, um, where he's just become his... He's a, Nick Cage is almost like his own genre at this point. Um, and so for me... Um, it'll probably change as I start thinking about it. And I, I'd i go with the most over-the-top ones. So it would be, I can't think of the name. What's the one where he's the vampire? And he's Vampire's Kiss. Vampire's Kiss. That would be, that is, they, that's all three. Like it is, because it's, it's the most stupid one, but it's yeah. also like, it is the best. It's what you come in Nick Cage for. Personally, if I'm going to be completely subjective, one of the first Nick Cage performances I ever saw was Gone in 60 Seconds, right. which is one of the least Nick Cage things to watch on the Cagean scale. But I loved him in that movie. And I used to love that movie when I was younger. I've not seen it in like 20 years, but I used to think that was great. Um, I mean, Wicker Man is probably his worst. Yes, like, I would it's agree. The messiest one. Um, most iconic, probably Con Air. Like, Ooh. as you know, face off, perhaps maybe face. Oh, he's got oh, face off is my best. Right. Yeah. Face off is my best. Cause that's, that's the most cage. I think, I think that's the most cage. And yeah. I would put face off as most iconic. Cause I think, you know, Shout. you get the introductory scene with cage and it's just one of the maddest things yes. you've ever seen. At worst, <laughs> I'm going to go the wicker man. Cause I do okay. just think that's like a bad movie yes. and a kind of bad. He doesn't, he can't save it either. Like he doesn't, no. his, his energy doesn't fit in that, what they're going for. Absolutely not. And I think for, for best, honestly, I would go, have you seen, um, I think it's called, it's bad lieutenant, Part of Call New Orleans. That's the one where he's actually acting in it. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's, 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 he's nuts in it still, right. but I think it's really good. I, I I love him in that. And I think he's really good in um, Charlie Kaufman's adaptation, which is one of the more serious ones. Oh. You know, he's not doing the cagey thing necessarily. Right, right. He's not like playing into it. It's mm-hmm. a more straightforward kind of, like when Adam Sandler does an uncut gems, you know? He's doing another one with the, uh, the Safety Brothers, yes, I think. Yeah, which I'm looking forward to. One of the most anticipated films. Yeah, Nick Cage, uh, a man unto himself, an island unto himself. Um, so MIC's other question, which I thought was great, or we thought was great, was um, have we ever not wanted to review a game because we'd rather experience it as a fan? Are we able to turn off that critical part of our brains when playing something? Now, this is really interesting because, well, actually, I'll let you go because you, you initially picked this out as like, we should talk about this. Yeah, I thought this was fascinating because this is something we talk about so much behind um, the scenes. Mm. You know, when you talk about the reality of being a video game journalist or a reviewer. <laughs> a uh, none of which influencer. Yeah, none of which I would class myself as, by the way. No. I guess I'm just a contemporary producer uh but when you kind of like talk about that job a lot of people just assume it's like incredibly great and it Mm -hmm. is in a lot of ways and it comes with a lot of privileges but the idea of kind of crunching to get a game review out is not fun like watching a movie on double speed absolutely and can sometimes actually not ruin the experience but certainly cast a shadow over it and that sucks when you are looking forward to a game as a as a fan like Mm -hmm. you don't want to have to smash it out in a weekend and then do all the content on it and Mm -hmm. like i said you know i'm not complaining in a a major sense it's a i I love this job i i'm very privileged to be doing it but i think when elden ring came out you know there were a lot of threads from people just being like out of haters to review Elden Ring. absolutely people being like i'm doing 10 hour days i'm not even necessarily enjoying it Mm -hmm. but the review's got to be of a certain standard the thing uh, is, like, and, and at the end of the day, when you're doing that, it is it becomes a job yes. in a way that you 
don't way that you don't imagine when you're not in the industry. If that makes no, sense. totally. And the thing is, I don't necessarily think of them as, even though you're obviously valid. I don't think they're complaints. That's just being honest about the reality of what it's like to review a game. Like take your favorite game or something with a, a sizable runtime, like an Elden Ring, and you're given it on the Monday and you're running the review on Friday. So it's yeah. like, okay, get through that game. And we don't play games during our office hours. Like hardly no. any outlets will actually do that. And um, so most of the time, you need to fit that game into your um, your own time, your personal time, whether that's staying up late or whatever it is. I stayed up until four in the morning playing, playing at the Final Fantasy VII remake. And the review that's on the channel is what I then filmed at like 9 a.m. that next day. And that was my, my choice to do that. Like we could have pushed the review or something, but yeah, there is also an impetus to get something turned around. I do think in the modern era, thankfully, the actual review, the impetus to get the review done isn't as important. I personally put a lot more credence on um, post-game analysis or like videos that come out alongside a populace playing something. Um, but there is that big push to get a review done or there is that big push to get something turned around in a week or in a few days or whatever. And certain people, certain publishers, PRs, will give you something a day before launch or two days before launch. And it's like, okay, go play as much as you can. Yeah. Get it turned around. And, and it's not, it, it hopefully doesn't come across as complaining. It's no. just the reality of what the, the job part can be. 100%. Like that access, yeah, I think we all take into account when yeah. we decide to, you know, review a game. Because if we get a game a day before... Uh, you know, the release date, and then we have to kind of not crunch, but, you know, certainly rush um, the game to get out a review. You Mm. know, that's not something I want to experience with a game I've been looking forward to. Mm. I, you know, I reviewed The Last of Us Part 2, a game Mm. that I was incredibly looking forward to. And for me, that was a great experience because we got it like two weeks before the game launched, you yep. know, for me that was a really comfortable time to complete a twenty-hour story-driven game, mm-hmm. and I didn't feel like I was rushing through it. I felt like I could experience it as a fan mm-hmm. while I was reviewing it, and ultimately, I thought that was one of my best reviews because I yes. got chance to actually experience it properly, I like actually it, process it. Properly, I got yeah. to actually process it, and then I got to write and create the content around it. And I'm like, if that was all video game reviews. It would be the best job in the yes. world, right? But yes. it's it's like sadly it's just not and companies are different with their policies and what have you, embargoes are always shifting around. And sometimes you do get those experiences where you come out of it and think I actually would have just preferred to have played that on the day and yes. done some, like you said, post-game um, well, discussions afterwards. Yeah, that's why we try, we'll try and like hop into whatever notable games there are and at least do one of those 10-minute, 20-minute conversations because we'll both be playing something or I'll have played something at midnight or whatever it is and do those little check-ins. But the thing you mentioned there about um, you'd rather play as a fan and the mentality that um, NYC is talking about, um, I love, or I prefer playing something along with people. Like I like seeing the, the Reddit community conversations. I like seeing the the conversations on social media like I like being part of that and then us doing our conversations and knowing there's an audience there waiting for it I find the review process for the most part to be quite isolating and quite I would depressing agree. and sad for the most part <laughs> like if you get given the game early like when you're younger like I remember I, remember I used to work in a, a, a game store and we got Assassin's Creed 2 early because it came into the shop before it was on retail so I had oh my god I've got Assassin's Creed 2 the, the first sequel it was a huge deal and I got it like four days early and I freaked out because it's yeah. like you know the right age for it I'm like a teenager um, and it was incredible was I a teenager then maybe I was early yeah I was a teenager yeah. and, uh, and it's that whole thing but as you get older and especially when you start to it's that time of the year your vacation is coming up you can already hear the beach waves feel the warm breeze relax and think about work you really really want it all to work out while you're away monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind when all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. 
Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, What Culture Gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. I'll see you all soon. Doing it as a job, like it's like, okay, I get this game early. How much is that worth to you? Well, it's it's cool. I get I get to play it early. I can't talk to anybody buddy about it because yeah. they don't want to know spoilers in the office. I can't do anything online because I'm embargoed. I just have to sit here and play it, and I have to get it turned around in a few days or, or a week or something. And um, and I get I obviously get the reality of how this might come across to anyone working any remotely more arduous job than of job course. than what I'm describing. Yeah. Obviously, obviously, obviously. But to the same token, I just want to let people know that they are most times better off not crunching through a review. I personally would tell anyone who asks me, like, you're better off playing it at your own pace. Yeah. Like, other than the um, the sheer content hits view side of it that a review might net you, it might not. Um, we've done so much to do the post-game conversations and tap into whatever conversations are happening post-launch because the review churn is horrible. I would agree with what you said there about, like, the best part of video games in a lot of ways being sharing that experience yeah. with others. You know, we talk about all the time about the experience we had with Death, Death Stranding. Stranding. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, we didn't even <laughs> need, need to know what I was going to talk about because mm. we talk about it so much because that weekend, getting it together, talking through our experiences, mm. being like, 
did you see this? Did you do this? Uh, like that was so rewarding and great. And if one of us reviewed it, we would still have those conversations, but they would be out of time. You know, yes. one of us would have had to have done that all by ourselves. And yeah, it could still be exciting to then bring those experiences to other people, mm-hmm. but it's a different kettle of fish entirely. I'll also say uh, that like, you know, it's yeah. not like neither of us are against doing the review no. thing. It's 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 fine. It, it can be fun. Depends what it is. I just personally have found having done this for like nine years now that like I just drastically prefer playing something along with the populace whatever size that is even if it was me you and a few other people in the office or just me and you at least you can have a conversation about it like it's just so ice like i said it's so isolating and then there's like the puzzle side of it if you get stuck or like whatever (laughs) you can't do anything and you've just got to kind of brute force it and get through it um but to bring it back to um what they were saying yes are there things you'd rather experience as a fan um i think the the overall review mentality is interesting because um like it's a conscious decision to think that way. Like I, I so many times I've talked about subjectivity and objectivity. Um, a game that, like when we did perfect, we did completely subjective PS4 rankings like last week or whatever, mm-hmm. um, or the week before. Um, because I just think they're a distinct thing. Like anyone's favorite film is not what they would say is the best movie in the world. So like they're different things. They've always been different things. People who who try and say like, you know, like my favorite film is whatever. Like Vertigo is off is right now is like held up as the best film of all time. But like you know your personal favorite film is gonna be something different and like yeah yeah, I think that um, it's worth walking those lines and like I don't know. Like, it's always worth like separating them in a review context as well. I mean, this is the thing. Like, we probably haven't done it justice because this is obviously our job. So we think about it and talk about it all the time. Yes. Like, the, the, and this I, process, I love that all those things. One hundred percent. Like, mm-hmm. we could honestly talk for about three hours yeah. on the intricacies of this. But yeah, just to go back to the question, I think yeah, I want to clarify that. You know, reviews can still be very good. Yes. I still really enjoy a lot of the ones that I've done. You know, I wouldn't do them if I didn't want to do no. them. You know, which is a kind of luxury that we have. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there are certainly times where you've done a review and you've kind of gone um, maybe that wasn't the best way to experience this game well the thing is like earlier this year there was the like in February March or whatever it was I was juggling like multiple hundred hour games all at once and like the Horizon Forbidden West review um, I stand by everything that's in that review but that was very thrown together across that morning because it was just I just didn't have time like it, it was just it kind of put together um, and I, like I said I still stand by that I think time's kind of proven me, personally I think time's proven me right that game was completely just 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 went Elden Ring I know Josh doing a little face but um, yeah for me it was like Elden Ring overshadowed it anyway Forbidden West the way it gets talked about the fact people didn't finish it and the sales weren't as good as Zero Dawn or whatever Um, like I said I stand by all that stuff but yeah there's always a way to experience a game just as a fan and there's almost like a refreshing feeling to that knowing you don't have to crunch you don't have a deadline um, because there's all the production side of that stuff to factor in as well like you get your embargo and then you work backwards of like well I'm gonna have to film it then and write it then which means I need to have finished it by then oh my god that was actually yesterday that's it that that always slips me up because I always think, well, I've got like, you know, a week. I could just, you know, write it the day before, you know, play it right until then and do it. But then you've got to take into account, you know, editing schedules, mm-hmm. you know, recording time and all that stuff. It's like a lot of stuff that goes into a review, you know, a oh, yeah, video yeah. review, especially, and there's not just me involved, you know, there's mm. like, oftentimes you're involved, you have to do the thumbnail, you have to do all this stuff. Like, it's a it's, it's a bigger process than mm-hmm. I think you might, or at least I certainly thought coming into this job. No, you know? definitely. And I think, um, but again, to sort of like bounce it back around to why I prefer the post stuff, like one of my favorite videos, um, articles, pieces that I've ever put together is um, why Red Dead Redemption 2 is about the death of Rockstar. And that's not something I like I had those thoughts playing through Red Dead 2 the first time but if I was crunching Red Dead 2 in like a week or two weeks um, I don't think I would have had the specific like almost more subjective capacity to pick that apart in that way whereas that's a take that came from like months of living 
with that game and the conversations about it and really talking about the um, the script and everything and the general vibe of that game. So yeah, I'll always just point to post-launch stuff. Like reviews are great. They indicate whether a game's worth anything, but there's always that back and forth on how much it serves the PR, the publisher versus serving the audience overall. And I, I just prefer the conversations that come from post-launch when the rest of us are playing it yeah. um, than me in a bunker playing through something going like, it's really good guys. I've got a number to attach to this <laughs> and hopefully you all care. Um, next question on from Gaming with Greg, who says, with PlayStation New Plus tier thing coming out, what are some titles that would make you subscribe to the highest tier instantly? They can be classics or for just nostalgic reasons. I literally had a dream Ooh. that part of this... Uh, flew in through the window. ...backwards compatibility <laughs> um, lineup was revealed, and in my dream, I was annoyed because oh. they had Resident Evil 1 and 3 but not to. Oh. So I guess my subconscious has already answered this and it would be Resident Evil 2 right. alongside the other games. Mine is uh, just all the third party stuff. Like it's just, it's going to be like Bishy Bashy special. It's just going to be, uh, it, well, it's, the thing is like, it's, they'd have to do deals to get them. Like the other day, I think it was last week, me and Jules were talking about um, X-Men uh, Mutant Academy, yes. which was a phenomenal game. Great fighting game um, that unless they do deals with Marvel, aren't gonna, isn't going to be in there. And so like the PS1 was such a hotbed of licensed tie-ins. We did that whole podcast on incredible six out of 10 games. That's what I want from that service. And I know they won't do it, but um, that would that's what would make me subscribe. It would be Toy Story 2. It would be like just all those um, Simpsons wrestling, whatever. Like let yes. me dip into them for half an hour, for an hour, um, served up on a platter on one big screen full of tiles and let me dip into all those games. Like that's what I want. I had like a complete, you know, just my mind was melting the other mm. day. I was on a uh, holiday over the weekend. I went to Amsterdam. We got the ferry back. Hell yeah, you did. And I had like no sleep on that ferry because I was just like puking <laughs> my guts up. It was just the waves were choppy. The waves defeated me, man. Waves but are a bad time, man. The point is I woke up after like no sleep right. and I was getting the taxi back t- into Newcastle and I was uh-huh. thinking, Matt, I might just go to CEX and buy Simpsons Road Rage. <laughs> I might just go and get Simpsons skateboarding. Maybe that's you do have a PS2 upscaler, so that yeah. was it. I was just thinking I could do that. Yeah. And then I got home, ordered McDonald's, and just fell asleep. Oh my god! If you combine those things, if you combine the McDonald's with well, Simpsons this Road was Rage, it. this was going to be the plan. It and I just I couldn't. I couldn't justify couldn't leaving the house again. I couldn't sanction that buffoonery, <laughs> I'm afraid. I just could not do it. I love that that was like a residual memory from when we talked about the Simpsons trilogy. Yes. Of like road race, skateboarding, and uh, hit and run or whatever it was. And L wrestling, sorry. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's going to be all those, oh my God, that game style reactions. That That's what I want from that top tier. I don't just want Sony first party stuff. No. Um, because, I mean, what even do they have from that era that remained theirs? Um, Ape Escape like, or something? Yeah. Like most stuff got snapped up by Activision or Xbox. Um, same thing, I guess, at this point. Um, so yeah, I'm uh, I'm curious how that goes. I hope they do have, you know, like um, Metal Gear Solid and like Metal Gear Solid VR missions or whatever, special missions. Um, you know, in the Crash Trilogy, like they're going to need those things. Um, but it's also weird because we're going up against the fact that a lot of those things have been remade. Yeah. But I just wanted to feel like I'm tapping into a PS1 in a way that the PlayStation Classic itself barely did. I agree. So yeah, I want the Tekken 3s, I want the Metal Gear Solids, but I also just want some fun little 6 out of 10 throwaway at the time like tie-in game, Rugrats game. Give me Rugrats. Just, give me that stuff. That was so good. I don't care what you have to do to give me those things, but I want them. Next question from Chingiz, who says, what is your favorite non-blockbuster movie that's released since 2020? Uh, mine is Everything Ooh. Everywhere All at Once and Northman. I'll back both of them and massively Everything Everywhere All at Once. 
of all the multiverse movies out right now, ditch, don't bother with Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness. It sucks bum. <laughs> Go see everything everywhere all at once. It Tell needs the support. Tell me why while I quickly check mm. my letterbox. So um, everything everywhere all at once is directed by the same team. They're called Daniels. I forget their both names, but they both begin with Daniels. A team of two directors they who did. did the turn down for what music video. Did they really? Yes. I was going to say the Swiss Army Man movie, and that, that too. is more impressive. So they have very much carved out a little niche of lots of practical effects, physical effects, uh, and fun, like over-the-top choreography, and everything everywhere all at once is all about um, this character played by Michelle Yeoh, who um, is who needs to sort of go through various multiverses, various versions of herself to see different realities of how her life could have been to learn more about herself in the vaguest possible terms. But because we're dealing with Daniels, you've got a martial arts universe, you've got a, a universe where they're both just rocks. You've got like there's absolutely tons of stuff, and I don't want to re- um, ruin, let's say, more reveals of what the multiverses are. But as a crafted film and something injected with passion and purpose and an overall very well written character and an arc and a resolution and lots of emotion and a phenomenal script it poops all over Doctor Strange <laughs> and I think if we're talking about multiverse movies or we're talking about more because it's A24 we're talking yeah. about indie funded movies that need to be seen especially on the big screen just give all your love to everything everywhere all at once it's it's immaculate. It's phenomenal. You have absolutely convinced me, although Boom. I will still see Doctor Strange. You will, people I, will. I don't know about you guys listening to this, but when someone like describes something as like the, one of the worst things, that makes me want to see it You need to see, more. you need to know. I've got to know why. I, I didn't care, because I'm largely checked out of the MCU. I didn't really care that much about Doctor Strange. I wasn't going to prioritize it at all until I saw, um, shout out to Skillup, I saw his tweet saying it's potentially the worst MCU movie so far, right. and that all of the stuff it goes for didn't land. And I was like, well, I need to know what that stuff is. <laughs> and so I hopped in my car last night and I went and saw a 10, half 10 p.m. screening. And uh, yeah, he's right. Scott, it's it's abysmal. Scott messaged me last night, like quarter past 10. You were like, right, <laughs> just had a coffee. Going to see Doctor Strange. <laughs> I think I was in bed. I was like, how are you? How do you have the mental just, fortitude? Just keep to, going. Just keep to going. To be I'll, able to do that. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll sleep at 1, 1 a.m. That's absolutely outrageous. Uh, for me, um, since 2020, man, like I've kind of fallen off movies these a little bit. I agree. Um, I kind of became resentful of them that they were one of the only things I could do in lockdown. Ooh. And that, like, just knowing... You could have learned the Shakahachi. I could have, I could have. So but, close. you know, I was so into movies before then, I'd watch literally, you mm. know, hundreds, hundreds a year. Mm-hmm. Try. I would always try to try to get eighty new releases a year, right. and I just have failed. With I felt that to like six recently. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's gone way down. But mm-hmm. there were still a few highlights. I loved um, Uncut Gems. Yes. Uncut Gems. You know, before the pandemic was uh, the the movie that got me back into the theatrical experience. Mm. Like for a long time, I was just so sick of audiences, man. I was so sick of cinemas. And then at the start of 2020, that came out. And it was such a great shared experience to Mm. have this kind of incredibly tense, well-put-together movie shared with people. I know it was a Netflix production as well and came Mm -hmm. on Netflix, but we got a few screens over here. Mm -hmm. I loved that so much. And then last year, it was another round the uh, Mads, oh God, Mickelson yeah, the Mads Mickelson thing. movie about, you know, drinking culture and middle-aged crises. I thought that was so fun and had such an energy. And I uh, I proper adored that. That was uh, a movie that made me miss the pub. Well, <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think that's the message you're supposed to get take away from that No, film, but still, but. I mean, the thing is, like, there's tons of stuff. I feel like now, because cinemas have had to roll with roll with a punch or roll as best they could throughout all the COVID stuff, and I don't know what other areas or countries, regions or whatever are like, but for us, um, our, like, most uh, regional cinemas, or at least the one for me that's nearby, has started doing more app integration stuff, so you book it all through the app and you can get, like, cooked food, you can go get some chicken strips and some yeah. salsa, and, like, like is this 
this going to make you want to watch the film? And I actually quite like indulging in that stuff now. I never used to. It, but most of it wasn't available before. But that that's become the new cinema experience for me. The sort of it's quite streamlined. Like you sort of just order it like through, um, yeah, through the app, and you just go there. They scan your phone. You haven't got to use the machines. And it's like, and you can know exactly where you're going to sit. And even if you get sat next to some miscreants, you can go on the app in the cinema and be like, I'm changing, and you can right. just go somewhere else. Okay. Um, and I love that. Like because I agree with you that like I, for the longest time, I think we did a chatty face on it. Um, that sometimes it all it takes is one annoying couple of people in a cinema who won't shut up, who won't get off their phone, who won't stop crackling, whatever it is, to ruin a film. I have no patience for that anymore. No. I used to be, I used to just sit in silence, like gripping the chair. Yes. And now I'm just like, yeah, man. <laughs> I'll spark you out. If shut you up, man. Pack it in. But uh, you've got to unleash your inner Geordie. If no one knows what a Geordie is around the world, uh, Google Geordie, G-A-O-R-D-I-E, and you'll find out. I want to throw one more in. Uh, yes. I know I've got three movies. This is not what Do was it. asked. Uh, Bob Burnham's Inside is like one of the best <sighs> things. I don't even know if you'd count that as a I movie. I would count that. That's a masterpiece. Uh, but I just think that's incredible. That, that lived in me all year. That yes. was one thing that managed to stick in an era where nothing was sticking mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, like from a movie or TV show perspective I, I think was just great I'm going back through my uh, my diary on Letterboxd because there's not like I mean The Green Knight I thought was immaculate that was awesome yeah. um, there's just there's not because I went I watched so much old stuff like across um, all the lockdown things so there's not that many that stand out to me that I like really love um, Love and Monsters I was a huge fan of I thought that yes. was a really good like yeah, yeah. Um, Earth Defense Force meets Last of Us it was a very good video game movie way better than it had any right to be I thought it was extremely well written and just very well conceptualized and just I hate when people just default to the word fun because it right. tells you nothing um, but I, I did I, that was one of the only times it actually applied where I was like you guys have loved making this you've loved acting it out um, it's very well shot and everything and I thought it was great um, but yeah I mean it's not been that I mean obviously just because of COVID it's not been loaded or well, we've not had that many movies that have made us go oh my god you need to see this no. um, the last jewel I'll shout out that's classed as a blockbuster I guess because of the budget um, but I thought that was um, you know that's worth sort of shouting out but that's kind of it it took me a long time to go back to cinemas as well man Mm. like I didn't I wasn't there straight away like it was only last year when Mm -hmm. I had my first kind of like going back to cinema experience and kind of trickled in since then but yeah for me it's been a lot of playing catch up and not being in that conversation has kind of like just kind of like sapped some of the motivation Mm. but this year is definitely looking up I've definitely seen way more movies this year way more movies in the cinema and there's a lot of stuff that I'm looking forward to. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I was looking at the trailers in front of Doctor Strange last night. One, didn't realise the Avatar movie was out later this yeah. year. Avatar sequel 20 years later or whatever it is. Bullet Train looks kind of cool. I'm mostly there for Har- uh, Hiroki Sonata but like, right, okay. I'm curious how that movie is. Um, there was something else that I forget the trailer for but yeah, there's there's stuff again. Like, yeah. there's interesting stuff um, coming out. I also want to shout out, um, this might be classed as a blockbuster because it's a Netflix original um, but the last one I'll shout out is The Adam Project um, which I was, I that was surprisingly well written. Mm. Uh, not the whole way through. It falls the F apart in the back third. Um, but they do really good, genuinely good writing about like what would you say to your younger self if you um, if you were bullied when you were younger, for example, and you grew up to be someone else who's manifested all those insecurities to be more outwardly aggressive or whatever. If you have that conversation with your younger self and your younger self could talk to your older self, what would those conversations be like? And I thought that, it, I thought that was actually very well done. And there was a part that actually made me tear up. It's largely because I've been through those things. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I just thought it was it, it had a genuine quality to it that I was not expecting. Um, and I just threw it on as like a trash movie in the afternoon. And I was like, this is, this is 
scared me. Yeah. And uh, shout out to asthmatic representation in movies as well. It's someone taking their inhaler properly. Nice. Not just taking it and then carrying on with your day. No. You give it five seconds, mate. You give it you, five seconds. You give it five seconds. And uh, and you give it a minute and you breathe out properly. I don't. I want proper asthmatic representation in my movies. Last question from Jacob Sawyer, who says, I just finished playing The Last of Us Part 2 for the first time and I was slightly let down by the second half. Pacing is a mess. What highly rated game did you find disappointing? Also, are you ready for Elden Ring to lose to Gotham Knights for Game of the Year? <laughs> <laughs> hey, stranger, I'm preparing. Stranger things have happened, I would say. <laughs> is all I'm going to say about that. I keep forgetting Gotham Knights is a thing. I'll be amazed if that game runs at a steady frame rate, to be I, honest, at this it, stage. It might. I saw something the other day yeah. that said it might be next-gen only. So I don't know if that's going to be true. More stuff that's next-gen only, It, to it be might honest. have been debunked. I was seeing it whilst I had a head in the toilet on a ferry, so <laughs> I might have dreamt it, but maybe. Um, Just a fever dream. Highly rated game that um, I found disappointing and then ultimately hated. I'm not going to talk about Returnal again. <laughs> I will say Deathloop. Because right. to this day, I just don't. I don't know what. I don't know what the. I don't know what people were smoking with that game. I, I know you rated highly too, but there was ten out of tens for that game. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, like I would what? concede it's not a perfect masterpiece no. in my opinion. But so you you would go death. I, that that's one. what comes to mind because um, I can't think of too many that were highly rated that I found disappointing. Yeah. Because um, most of the time, I feel like overall the game's press is pretty bang on. Like uh, I find that you know like. Because I mean, obviously, I'm kind of like ghostly citing IGN there because I think they did give it a perfect. They did. They give Deathloop a perfect score, right? Um, but they've also give Celeste a perfect score, and I would massively agree. I think Celeste is essential. Um, and so, like you know, overall, I think we largely get it right. If you sort of amalgamate everyone, when all of us are saying this is worth playing, we're usually bang on. But for the most 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 part, um, I really felt that that wasn't the case with Deathloop. I was yeah. like, this, not any part of this is essential. Yeah, it is. It's it's really rare that I kind of like you know don't at least like it. I mean, yeah. I suppose disappointing is something else than kind of. But I guess out, that right? general feeling of like, yeah, when like most critics or most reviews or most energy is saying this is good, don't get it. you go, is it? Yeah. I, yeah, I think Deathloop would be that for me. It might not be the case that you've got one. No, like, maybe we're all really good at this. <laughs> we're all really good at telling each other what needs to be played. Is it, nothing uh, springs to mind for mm. that one, sadly. I mean, I guess because I'm going through it right now, mm -hmm. the second half of Sekiro um, I was. I remember being disappointed oh, with that at the time, right. just because similar to um, their complaints with The Last of Us Part Two, mm. I just got to the point where I was like, the pacing is off, and I want this to be over. And I'm right. playing it again. I've I've felt it again. You know, you get to a certain <laughs> point in that game, and you start seeing repeated enemies, repeated locations, and all of that stuff, and you just kind of think, why didn't you just make it shorter rather yeah. than repeating yourself um, so much? So that's mm. the only thing that springs to mind because it's so recent. Just the disappointing final few hours of Sekiro not living up to how bloody great mm. the first 10 or so were. We should do, this would be something for the Monday podcast, um, but we, me and Josh do, every Monday we do the wind-up, whether it's winding each other up about something or it's just a winding up for the week with the latest news stories and talking points and whatever, but this would be something for that if we ever do um, just a general conversation on the highly most highly rated games that let people down. Like if anyone wants to tag us and stuff and shout us out on that, we'll do a whole podcast on that. Because I feel like we're missing stuff. 100%. Um, and so I guess I'm, I'm curious what, people, what people's minds go to where they felt like they were being sold a bill of goods, and it wasn't that. I think, mm. I think I agree with what you just said there. I think this is a good question and something to be explored in depth. Yes. You should do it, whether it's next week or the week after or whatever, and see, and maybe put out a tweet and see yes. what other people also think and go through them. And also and like- say, a, you're nuts. Yes, it will, yeah, totally. I mean, and also like just a general thing on, um, do we think overall the games press as an amalgam, like get it right, let's say. 
Um, or does it, or do you feel out of touch, let's say, with the, the gaming press? Have you ever, not you, I mean, like in general, yeah. do people, um, how do they feel the games press represents their tastes or their wants or their needs or whatever uh, in regards like to like, it. you know, buying preferences and, and whatever? Like I said, do you feel like you've been sold a bill of goods where you're just like, what are you guys on about? This is bad uh, or this is pointless, which is that would be me with Deathloop. But um, final, I'm going to do, do another final question. Come on. Because this one's a banter question from Elfar Oliver, who says, Doom Guy versus Master Chief versus Buzz Lightyear versus any other badass in armor. Set wherever you like in space, but not orbit. Pick your fighter and explain why. But more, <laughs> but more importantly, will Josh ever play Ori? I really thought the first part of this question was going to be snog, marry, kill. <laughs> uh, I honestly thought that's where it was going. So Ooh. We- we're talking about who would win the fight. Is that we're what gonna, we're going to go about? fights in space? Fights in space. Can Doom Guy even survive? In space? I guess he's been fired across space. Doom Guy can survive anything. Yeah, Doom he's all Guy right. is my guy for this. He might I yeah, would yeah, yeah. bet my house and well, the my thing is, wife like, on this. <laughs> to be fair, Master Chief can't really contend. But neither can Buzz Lightyear. No. The best Buzz Lightyear can do is blind someone with his laser thing. Ah, but, are we talking about Buzz Lightyear the toy or Buzz Lightyear the fictional character? Buzz Lightyear the the new fictional character yes. who is the like ethereal version of Buzz. Buzz Lightyear that inspired the character the Star Command from the PlayStation yes. One yes. game. Who's yeah. going to be the star of the new movie that we're all very yes. excited about? Yeah, we, we certainly are. <laughs> I think Doom Guy. Doom Guy rips and it's tears for a living. Like he's, he's, it's his bread and butter. The only thing that Doom Guy doesn't have in his favor is that he doesn't have a way to maneuver around in space. Like he, he's, right. he's going to go whatever direction he charges in. So like he's going to jump at you, and he might go sailing right past you. Whereas Buzz Lightyear and Master Chief can maneuver in space. That's true. Better with Buzz because he's got the wings. Master Chief does have some jetpack equivalent. If we're going off the loadouts from Halo Five. Uh, it's Even Doom- then, it's just a very simple little boost. Doom guy has his big ship from Doom Eternal, or would that not just eviscerate any kind of incoming invader? He does have the Fortress of Doom. That's I mean, uh, but Buzz Lightyear could potentially unleash all of Star Command on him. Master that Chief, is true. If, if, if we're now in the timeline, I guess Chief is, well, the UNSC is decimated in Halo Infinite, so he hasn't got any resources at all. The pilot can come in from Halo Infinite. I reckon they just have like a nice time together. I reckon they'd start out. fighting, and then they'd be like, Martha, and then they'd kind of just have, you know, they'd be chilling resurrected I'm, franchise yeah. and they all bond over it yeah yeah i want to throw in my question there. i it. want to do the snog marry avoid thing okay. so i was thinking about that as well yep. i would snog um i would snog doom guy oh. i would marry uh buzz Lightyear. okay and i would kill, kill master, master chief. chief yeah that's interesting i i fear i fear for my life getting anywhere near doom guy in an intimate way because well, i forget john romero confirmed he's a virgin i feel like the amount his stuff he's gone through now well you're only kissing you got you to make out. I just I just don't think I don't I think he's gonna get a bit carried away. I just right. don't. I think Doom Guy's a very aggressive man. So I would uh, attempt to kill Doom Guy. Okay. I would snog Buzz Lightyear. That's a lifelong passion of mine. It certainly is. I would say. And um, what was the other one? In, in marry, kill. What did uh, I not do? What we doing? Uh, yeah, uh, marry, killed. I'm, uh, yeah, I marry. I master, marry Master Chief. I like that. Yeah, I just I want to want to settle down. He's a nice guy. Take the helmet off, as yeah. he keeps doing in the, in the Halo TV show, which is a whole other thing to talk about because the editing in that show is is comedic in regards to how much he takes the helmet off and puts it back on. <laughs> like they're fully playing with people at this point as to how ridiculous that stuff is. Overall, though, this has been the Untitled Banner Podcast. I've been your host Scott Tilford, joined by Josh Brown. It's been a pleasure to fill in Scott Tilford. Hell yes, and we'll get you back whenever anyone else needs filling in. Barely a <laughs> sentence, but it works. Massive thank you to all of you for listening and sending in your questions and we'll catch you next week. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye-bye. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.